Hi, I'm Justin Boyd. I'm the chosen one. <laughs> and I'm Amber Churchwell. <laughs> and we are the Watchers in the Basement. Welcome to the Watchers in the Basement. We are here today to discuss the sixth movie in the Harry Potter series, the Wizarding World franchise. That movie is Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Uh, before I get uh, Amber and Brittany's thoughts on the Half-Blood Prince, I'm going to hit you with some Half-Blood Prince facts. That's actually tough to say. Half-Blood Prince facts. Anyway, the release date for this movie, July 15th, 2009. A box office of $934 million. It was the second highest grossing movie of 2009. Do y'all want to venture a guess at what was number one in 2009? I don't even remember where I was in 2009. Okay. So yeah, no. Not only here's a hint. Not only was this movie the number one movie of 2009, it's still the number one highest grossing movie uh, of all time. Of all time. Of all time. No Titanic. I don't no. know. No, it's it's, it's Avatar. Guess. Avatar. Oh, gross. Yeah. Gross. Little note about Avatar. Avatar was actually it made 2.7 billion in its original run. And then Avengers Endgame came, Endgame came out in 2019, passed it. Then they re-released Avatar, and it made an additional 200 million dollars. And now it's re, re, regained its spot. It's now 2.9 billion dollars for Avatar, so almost three billion for a movie that I haven't seen. Brittany, have you seen that movie? And uh, kind of yeah. under the influence, but not yeah. like that. Um, okay. I don't. Yeah. Why are we talking so much about Avatar? We're here for Harry Potter. Also, I'm talking about box office. No, let's not talk about that. I'm all anymore. about the also, cash. Also, yeah. also, it came out the day before my birthday. What's Ooh. that? My July sixteenth is my birthday. Oh, okay. Cool. I remember that. I remember yeah. that summer. That's awesome. Very good. Mm-hmm. Quick shout oh. out to uh, Nick and Claire, all the way from the UK, walking with the woods. Oi, oi, howdy. I never say howdy, so that's a that's a special thing that y'all got in the chat but- and live <laughs> Brittany, you and i live in texas we both live in houston we're the most country bumpkins around no no we're not no we're not we live in a very you big do say y'all y'all we do say well y'all. that's that's like proper <laughs> yeah hey arizona counts as the south too and I don't, that's true and i don't use and i don't use y'all <laughs> what do you think yeah. it's unfortunate yeah Nick says that, he, or they would never uh, say howdy either. So that's that's fair. Y'all live in the, y'all live in the UK. It's fine. Yeah. Cheerio. So <laughs> the budget for the movie was two hundred and fifty million, which it makes it the most expensive Harry Potter film. And at the time, it was one of the most expensive films ever made. Of course, yeah. that was right before the superhero boom, and now it's like barely in the top thirty. But it's uh, you know, two fifty million, two hundred fifty million still, still a nice chunk of change. Uh, runtime two hours 33 minutes the director is david yates of course he directed order of the phoenix the previous movie he would go on to direct deathly hallows part one and two and he also would direct all three of the fantastic beast movies so mm-hmm. david yates liked him some uh wizarding world uh movie action. he liked them galleons all right let's just be real he liked there them you galleons. Go. yep yeah and now the <laughs> cast of course the cast Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grant, Emma Watson, Helena Bonham Carter, Jim Broadbent, Michael Gambone, Maggie Smith, Robbie Coltrane, Alan Rickman, Tom Felton, and David Thewlis. Amber, I want to get your thoughts first. What do you think about Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince? Um, Me and Brittany were mentioning it before um, off chat that uh, it's uh, a little bit of an unpopular opinion, but I actually really love this movie. Um, there are a lot of things in it that they did like add that weren't add or not include 
that were in the books that were kind of important. Like when we get to like the Horcrux and Dumbledore's lessons with Harry and things like there are details like that that were not included. So that is a little bit of a bummer. But overall, I just really like this movie just because I, when rewatching it um, earlier today, I, there's just small little things that it's so awkward and silly that it just kind of, I felt like it made the pace a little bit better, especially compared to the last film. Like it just felt a little bit like, okay, yeah, this is, there's enough conflict, but silliness and interaction to keep me occupied and actually interested. And uh, along with, you know, the serious actual plot driven things, there's yeah. Like all the love drama. Yeah. We're going to get into all that stuff. (laughs) So, so Brittany, you mentioned before again, off, off camera that, um, this is your favorite Harry Potter movie. Also, like Amber said, why is it your favorite? There's just something so different about it in the sense that, that these kids have grown up, right? They're not the 11-year-olds that we saw from the very first movie. They're 16. They're 16 and, and older. And they're really still immature, but they're maturing at the same time. They're starting to become more aware about their feelings towards the opposite sex. And it's always such an awkward stage in life for teenagers and liking people and starting relationships. And I don't know, it, I I felt seen, let's put it that way, right? Like I was an awkward <laughs> teenager, I'm still awkward, just not a teenager. But, you know, th- there's something very relatable about what the kids are going through and the fact that it's just fun. I, I just absolutely love this movie. The humor in this movie. I love the addition of Jim Broadbent as Professor Horace Slughorn. Fun fact, that character and I shared the same birthday and we're both Slytherins. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That being said, y'all who are watching us, thank you so much for watching us. Leave an emoji and show us show off your house pride in the chat. So, yeah, that'd be fun. But all in all... Uh, I understand why people don't particularly care for this movie, but I think because of the fact that it's, it does focus a lot on the kids like growing up and having like the awkwardness happen. And it kind of takes a little bit away from not so much a plot line, but it's, is it too heavy on the relationship? I think you kind of have to break up the darkness that's going on in, in this. Mm-hmm. And by darkness, I mean theme darkness um not dark so much magic yeah visuals thank you dark magic you gotta have some humor in it you know the take diagon alley for example everything's pretty much dead closed off but you have weasley wizard wheezes bright colors and fun and and just you know bringing light to people's day that's how i view this movie you know it's it's funny yeah. it's fun it comes after order of the phoenix which is not my favorite movie that's also an unpopular opinion <laughs> by by many but hey I, i'm not here to follow mainstream i'm I'm here to shake things up so let's shake <laughs> <laughs> so i obviously i'm not as versed in the uh wizarding world as, as both of y'all are but uh i like this movie i think this movie is really good uh first off no dursleys so that's always uh you know that's one of my you know that's one of my like boxes i have to check and if you if you I check that box yeah no, that's that's very that's very good also, this movie, it looks, the film looks amazing. And, you know, it, this movie was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Cinematography, and it really shows. 
Unfortunately, didn't mm-hmm. win. Can you guess which movie won from 2009? Avatar. Avatar. <laughs> Avatar won for that also. Uh, yeah, so we've, Brittany, you have another reason to not like Avatar. So that's it. Um, also, I like how the movie opens where you have the Death Eaters. They're, they're you know, destroying London's Millennium Bridge. And I, it's just kind of cool for me to see the magical characters in the modern, you know, real world or muggle world, if, it, if you will, you know, so that's mm-hmm. kind of a cool, uh, cause we really didn't see that in the previous movies. Like even when they were like yeah. not at Hogwarts, they were in very, like very much places that were kind of bland and didn't really stand out as like modern mm-hmm. or anything current. So I like that part of it. Um, I want to, I really quick want to mention about the bridge. Sure. Um, it's just like some differences between like the, obviously in the book and the movie. Because, you know, we like to mention those. Um, in the, when we see them destroying the Millennium Bridge, um, it appears that all of the muggles that were on the bridge got out relatively safely. Like, it appears that they were able to get out. Nope, in the book, a lot of people died. A lot of people, of muggles died in that. And um, the attack on, um, hi, mom. My mom's in the chat, guys. Um, the attack on <laughs> hi, mom. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the attack in Diagon Alley um, and Ollivander's and taking, you know, kidnapping my my dear sweet Ollivander. Um, they attacked many, many of the shops and like Flores and Fortescue. Um, Florian was killed. Like the ice cream shop owner. He was, yeah, he was unalived. And it's, I've heard a, I've heard an interesting theory about why, but we, you know, that's really deviating from <laughs> everything. But yeah, maybe like at the end we can like yeah yeah. But yeah, I there's just I think I thought it was very very interesting seeing all of those that yeah this movie does show a lot of darkness and we see like like something very very serious happening to Katie Bell and Ron and obviously you know you mean one one. Okay, I was gonna ask um, y'all just real quick. Why does she call him one one one? One one, like it's like a baby way of saying Ron, like Ron Ron. Oh, I never got that. I was like, is it because the the accent stuff? Or okay, go ahead. No, that's my one one. Like, oh my, that's my baby. Like, oh my god. Like, wow. Yeah, I would I would have never figured that out. Just so thanks for teasing him bless you (laughs) but i just thought it was really interesting that like yeah we are showing some really dark serious things but we're not showing it as dark and serious as it actually is so i thought that like that was interesting yeah no definitely yeah there's uh, the millennium bridge was cool i've actually seen it in person because i've been to london i encourage everyone to go Yeah, a little bit, you know. I've also been in the London studio tour. <laughs> Have I mentioned that before? Just kidding. Um, it, but showing that scene and showing now how integrated these worlds really are going to be, right? It's not just about the magical world. It's Voldemort is going to take over, period. And it doesn't matter who you are, blood status or not. It's He's here, right? And Death mm-hmm. Eaters are going to do whatever it takes uh, to help him achieve that goal of just taking over and 
yeah, there's there's differences. You know, that, that was just like a little glimpse kind of from the book that's hardly mentioned in the book. There's a different introduction of the muggle prime minister with the magic the minister of magic um that conversation is really interesting but i like how they they adapted this visual because i think the visual is more powerful in the sense of seeing the destruction yeah. of something from the muggle world versus like hearing a conversation between two two ministers you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. but um yeah it starts off strong in that sense and it's like oh you know stuff's about to get real in this mm -hmm. in this next chapter of, of harry potter so had both yeah. of y'all read the read this book before you saw this movie oh yeah um, well, for sure amber i am gonna say yes but i genuinely don't remember okay okay um no i was just gonna say so like Brittany, secondly you mentioned voldemort so there's no voldemort in this film i mean his presence is definitely felt throughout the movie but to not have the main villain in the sixth film, that's really, that's a, that's a strong choice. I mean, I, I, they made it work, but yeah. on paper, I think that's kind of a, a gutsy move um, to do that. In, it, not only did they remove Voldemort character from, from the movie. I mean, you get a version of Voldemort, not quite yeah, Voldemort, flashbacks, but, you know, memories. flashbacks of, yeah, of little right. Tom Riddle right. in the orphanage. They also chose to remove what I think is a really significant part of the book, uh, which is learning more about Tom Riddle's family history, the Gaunt family, yes. and, and their direct descendants of Salazar Slytherin, and them being able to speak Maropi. Tongue, Maropi, who is Tom Riddle's mother, learning about her and what she did in order to um, get the very attractive Tom Riddle to notice her because she apparently wasn't very attractive. She put him under a love spell and, you know, got him that way. And then uh, Tom Riddle, AKA Voldemort was conceived. And then she finally broke the spell and he left her because he's like, I don't want to be with you. And that broke her heart. She gave birth and, and took Tom Riddle to the orphanage in London and she died. Like yep. all of that, I feel would have been so important to convey why Voldemort is the way that he is. There's a theory that maybe he's unable to love because he was conceived under a love spell. You know, take that for what you will. But mm -hmm. I think learning more about his family history, which was very detailed in the book, which I absolutely, those are some of my favorite chapters. Yeah. And that not to be in this movie. And it's just kind of brushed over about how Dumbledore got the, the ring, you know, belonged to Voldemort's grandfather. That's it. That's all you got. I don't like no, he just says Voldemort's mom. Or Voldemort's, Voldemort's mom. Voldemort's mother. Yeah, right. And it's right. like she, he doesn't even say her name. And well, like in the thing, we see we see memories. We see we see memories. We see Maropi. We see not just the orphanage, but we also see like we see do we do see Voldemort's grandfather, Tom's grandfather, um, Marvolo, uh, Marvolo Riddle and her and her brother. And like we see all of that, and we don't, and also what Voldemort ends up doing uh, once he like realizes everything he does go and he he kills the riddles like he yeah. kills his father and he kills steals his ring. grandparents and steals a ring yeah like he and the locket yeah like that's how um like yeah they establish here that the horcruxes are made by by murder and half of the murders that <laughs> that caused these horcruxes are not even discussed ever no no. Yeah. So it was an interesting choice for them to not elaborate on 
the the Gaunts, you know, uh, Voldemort's family to elaborate on like the Horcruxes. And I mean, yes, you get the glimpse of like, oh, well, how do you make one? Murder. Okay, cool. But like, you don't get the nitty gritty of who and why, because you also get flashbacks of Voldemort as an as a young man and him trying to get a job at Hogwarts. He wants to be the defense against the dark arts teacher. Mm -hmm. and, and Dumbledore's like, mm, no, don't think so. Don't think that's going to happen. And Voldemort's like, well, screw this. I'm going to curse this position forever. And that is why every year we get a new data teacher. But again, you don't get that from the movie. Like, yeah, I just... I would have liked do you have Justin, do you have closure now of why we get a new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher every year? I literally just learned that right now in real time. <laughs> so uh, that is You're interesting. Welcome. And there wasn't one in this mm -hmm. movie, right? They, they never talked about that in this movie. No, it's right? Snape. Well, Snape, yeah. Oh, it's because... still Snape. Okay, from the previous movie. Well, it's not still. He finally got it. Oh, he finally got it. Okay. Yeah. In the previous movie, it was Dolores Umbridge. Okay, so he's think. elevated from the potions... Uh, yes. Master or whatever, too. Okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I know you are yeah. mentioning a lot of stuff from the book you think should have been in the movie. Now, the movie was two and a half hours. So, what would y'all take out in order to fit all this Tom Riddle goodness in? Oh, I'll let Am Amber answer that one. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, as much as I love like the developments and silliness and goofiness, there are like, there are some bits that. That might not have been necessary in lieu of the plot. Like you could have mentioned really, really important things instead of having, even though it's very funny, having Harry and Ron in their dorm awkwardly talking about girls' skin. Yeah. Okay. Like those minutes might have been used towards something else. And yeah. also, um, while we're talking about the differences between the book and the films, um, the burning of the burrow. Uh, Brittany and I were talking about it earlier today. That does not happen in the books. Um, that, yeah, the only reason that they, um, that they did it was because they wanted to show that Harry is vulnerable. They can, like the Death Eaters can get Harry. It was like, to show that like, hey, yeah, he's the chosen one, but like we can get, they could have gotten him at any time. They really mm. need to step up their precautions and their safety measures and being wise. But also, it was also kind of a placeholder throughout the entire books. We do see like news articles and clippings and things of Death Eaters attacking wizarding communities. But we don't, in the films, we don't really get to see that. So they did it by showing an attack on a wizarding home. Yeah. So uh, that's something that's not even in the book. So I guess take that out. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. That, that was that's going to be my. Can we check out all of the awkward encounters between Harry and Ginny? Because they just have no chemistry whatsoever. I know it's in the book. I mean, I know it's I know. in the book, but on screen, it's just so bad. It's so, so devastating bad. because. Oh. Ginny in the book is such an, a phenomenal character. She's she a spitfire. She's energetic. She's great. Like, yeah, she like she's a heartthrob. Like boys are falling all over her, and it's not just Dean Thomas and Harry. It's it is a right. good portion of the male it's population a, of the school. Yeah, and yeah. book Ginny and book Ron are a lot better 
than yeah. the movie versions. Something yeah. happened where translating it into film, they just took out, they just, you know, put a wet towel over all of the Weasleys. I don't know what happened. It ain't but it. Yeah, well, like all of the interactions. The are, Weasleys are too hot in the books, right? So you got to you know, tamp them down. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, terrible. Didn't yeah. happen. <sighs> so, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Brittany. No, I was just going to say, I mean, to take out what we have in the movie to bring in the the story about the gaunts and what have you i mean it when we learn about the gaunts it's through the lessons with dumbledore you know so put them there that's where they belong i mean like i i don't know i don't know i don't understand the the reasoning to remove that bit of information because it would just kind of help you understand Voldemort's character a little bit more yeah. just like how I said you know with with movie three you don't know who the marauders are because they never elaborate on it you know it's like that's vital information that's 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 crucial anyway mm -hmm. I'm gonna digress but uh, there's there's definite things like what Amber mentioned that you can remove um I think they could have removed the slug club holiday party as fun as that is that's it's cute interaction is that Maybe the whole point of that is to show that like Snape knows that Draco's up to something. He's offering help to Draco and it's more or less to get confirmation that Draco is working for the dark Lord and Harry like had that hunch and him overhearing that conversation after the slug club party is, it's just that it's just confirmation. Mm -hmm. So if you took out the whole slug club as a whole, I think you could have replaced those minutes with like the supporting gaunt family information, right. but yeah. And it's not even just the gaunt stuff that was taken out too. Like the entire plot line so with Chonks and Remus was taken out. Yeah. Um, we're, we assume that they're dating now, but she still has the brown hair of sadness. Like makes no because sense. Because of serious death in case people are wondering. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was because well, it was bad and also because, you know, Remus was mm -hmm. like, I'm too old for you and I don't want to date yeah. you. And but then also, they're, they're together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they're together now and they don't really talk about that at all. We kind of just since she calls him sweetheart, we just kind of had to assume. But yeah. Yeah. it's like and Teddy doesn't exist in the future, I guess. And um well, he doesn't. Not yet. Um, Spoilers, God. I could be anyway. talking about her dad. That's, um, true. That's true. But there's that. And then also we don't find out anything that, like, they don't mention that Fender Greyback is a werewolf and the one who turned Remus. Like, that's not discussed. Nope. Um, there's I just a lot on, of man. little things. Yeah. I mean, we could sit here and dissect and, like, go chapter for chapter of, like, what was not included, of course. However, uh, you know, what they did include in the sense of continuing the storyline of, of Voldemort and Dumbledore. And I know Amber has very strong feelings about the lessons with Dumbledore and Harry. It's just, ugh. you know, the, the, so many thoughts. I've read the book so many times. I've listened to the book so many times. I've watched the movie so many times. You cannot make me a diehard Dumbledore fan because there's something that Snape will say to Dumbledore that we'll see in the final movie. 
And I, and I agree with him. You know, you, you basically raised him, Harry, for slaughter. You know, Dumbledore, my dude, you are so wise. Like, why are you making this boy, like, work for the information? Like, just give him the information. You know, you, mm -hmm. you give him a task. Help him. Help him. My God. And going on to that, one of the things that actually was kind of bothering me and I mentioned it to you earlier today was what the, we could have had we have all of this focus on getting Slughorn's memory the true memory right when the lessons could have been so much more detailed and entering and actually like Horcrux involved because Dumbledore already theorized about Horcruxes yeah he already had that theory mm -hmm. so why are you harassing slughorn and then making harry go on like endless things to be collected by the by slughorn just to like go on these like why are you giving him side quests give him he's the main character give him the main quest it doesn't it's, it's so that he could drink the felix felices and we can see the wonderful encounter that he has with slughorn and at aragog's funeral and they're talking about it's not to mention the pincers. Yeah. That frightened people. One of my favorite parts of this whole entire movie. It's so funny. <laughs> I do have to mention, I'm pretty sure it is this movie, but Dan Radcliffe was pretty wasted throughout filming. And you can kind of see it in certain scenes. He's he's openly admitted to the fact that he one, he doesn't rewatch any of his any of his work, but it's very painful for him to even attempt to watch Half-Blood Prince because he knows the state of mind that he was in at the time and mm -hmm. state of being. And he's like, yeah, that performance is really difficult. How old was he at the time they filmed this movie? 18. Like, okay. 18 because I was 18 at that time um, or beyond 18 um, probably, but it's legal in the UK to drink uh, uh, there you go. Okay. at 18. Nick and Claire, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the legal age over here in America. It's 21, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, we, we y'all touched on a lot of stuff. We're going to, we're going to get to all that stuff, but the last <laughs> thing, like my last main point that I think really is the reason why I like this movie is there is an empire strikes back. <laughs> there's an, and there's an Avengers infinity war kind of feel to the film because the villains end up winning this movie. Yeah. And that kind of leads me to the title of the movie again, spoiler for a movie that's been out for 14 years. But, you know, the title of the movie is Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Snape is the Half-Blood Prince. So let's get into that. I, you know, I've only seen this movie twice and I forgot about that little part of it because I thought I thought Harry was the Half-Blood Prince the whole time. I'm like, I'm like, God, this kid's the chosen one. He's like. You know, he has now, all these nicknames, and now he's like, you're partially prince. right. You're yeah. partially right because he is okay. considered a half blood. Mm -hmm. Um, because his father is pure blood wizard, but his mother was muggle born, yeah. making him a half blood. Okay. But it was the reverse for Snape. Now, again, you don't get this information from the movie because they didn't include it from the book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was Snape's mother who was the witch. And her maiden name is Prince. Yeah. Well, Half Blood Prince. I gotta say, um, rewatching this movie last night, I was like stunned. I was like, oh my god, he's he's the Half Blood Prince. I was like, 
it's like this is amazing. Then of course he turns heel, he kills Dumbledore, which R.I.P. to Dumbledore. I feel like we're gonna see. I feel like we're gonna see him again though. But uh, um, (laughs) sorry. But I just want to highlight the 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 exchange between Harry after after uh, Snape kills Dumbledore. And you know the the villains are getting away. You know the the Death Eaters and Bellatrix and Draco and God, I love her. Snape are getting away, and, and Harry's like trying to fight him. He's like, "Fight back, you coward! Fight back!" So that was a really good scene. I, I think that um, yeah, Alan Rickman. I mean, he's awesome, obviously, in all these movies. But like, this was a really strong. I mean, he's not in a ton of the movie, but like, he has really strong scenes at the end of this movie. Amber, what are you what are your thoughts on Alan Rickman, and then just Snape in general in this movie? <laughs> Um, all of it was just so great because, yeah, hmm. Harry had suspicions about Draco, but this whole, like, granted the whole series, right from Jump, he's like, this, this kid's sketchy, but, um, it was always, it's, it's like the boy who cried wolf every single, every single year. He's like, Draco's involved, Draco's involved. And it never was Draco until the year that it mattered. And um, nobody would believe him because all the years previous, he it was it never really was Draco. So the one year mattered. But all, going along with that, he he would, did we do see him trying to talk to Remus about uh, to Lupin about Snape? Like Snape was talking to Draco, and I think that Draco's involved with this. Like he was trying to like come up with something and you know, everyone's like, hey, if you trust, if you trust Dumbledore, then you trust, you got to trust Snape because he trusts him. And so that last scene in the tower, when, you know, Dumbledore tells him to go and hide and not to be seen, we like, there's that moment with Alan Rickman with, uh, with, and looking at Dan Rad and looking at, and just going, just be quiet. And, And he trusts him because Everybody around him, including Dumbledore, is just like, you gotta trust Snape, you trust Snape, trust Snape, trust me. Like it's just yeah. how it is in the and it's it's devastating. I trusted him too. That's the problem, Amber. I trusted oh, yeah. him and then I got double crossed and I didn't see it coming, even though I've seen the movie before many years ago. <laughs> and yeah, the in the performance of um we all know that uh Brittany and I very much have a soft spot for Draco. We're Slytherins. Can't blame us. Right. But that I mean, he's a prat. He's a prat, he but yeah. Yeah, like, we're not saying that he's a great guy. No. There are problems with him. But it's just like his mom says in the beginning of the movie before the Unbreakable Vow. It's a, he's just a boy. Just like Harry. Like, he he was created, his character is to, is created to be a foil of Harry. Right. He's they, just a petulant child. It's fine, you know? And it's, but it's just so much just that I can't that his, his he's seeing him talk to Dumbledore and Dumbledore just trying to be like, I knew a boy who made all the wrong choices. Like I can help you. And really Dumbledore. <laughs> really? That's what it, that's what Dumbledore does. Dumbledore. Collects. Okay. See, this is another thing that I have against Dumbledore <clears throat> is Dumbledore. Coll- <laughs> yeah. He collects people who are lost who are hurting who are troubled 
as long as they can be beneficial to him in the future. That's why he didn't collect Sirius. That's why he Ooh. let Sirius rot in Azkaban because Sirius did not benefit Dumbledore in any way. So he didn't help him. And Interesting. same thing with Draco, like, cause he's known this entire year that hmm. Draco was up to something and he didn't do anything until the very last second. It was kind of like a hollow offer that it's just, he didn't That's offer. Deep. Yeah, that, this, these are the things that I think about and that irritate me <laughs> about my my mental thesis of Dumbledore. But got to be I, something. Got to be <laughs> But I do genuinely feel like that his entire um, his offer to help Draco was hollow. I oh, yeah. don't. Well, no. it, yeah, and it, I just feel so bad because Draco is very clearly scared. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. want to do this, but the like Voldemort's living in his house. His dad is in jail. His like the the he is very I don't I don't think he's dumb. I think he's very aware of the fact that he was given this mission mm-hmm. as punishment for his dad screwing up at the Ministry of Magic and the Department of Mysteries with the prophecy. That yeah. this is like his chance to try and fix his family's screw-ups, otherwise. Like he said, Voldemort's going to kill him if he doesn't kill. Someone. Yep. Yep. Hey, Corey. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to give a quick shout out to those who have joined us in the chat. I just uh, popped up here uh, for Corey, uh, Amber's uh, producer extraordinaire. If you haven't seen the uh, banners already, Amber has a YouTube channel here uh, on all things wand lore from the Wizarding World. So go check that out. Um, all of her social media descriptions, are, or rather her social media's info is in the description box down below. Also want to give a shout out to uh, Bricky Hallows. What's up? Thank you so much for being here. Also, uh, Caleb, Caleb, who shared that uh, favorite movie is Deathly Hallows Part 2. Half-Blood Prince does not happen to be the favorite. That's okay. That's fine. No worries. And also shout out to Julie. Thank you so much for being here, everyone. And also Mama, Mama Churchwell. Thank you so much for being here too. Yeah, we appreciate anyway. everybody checking us out for the you know for the seventh or eighth time or the first time, whatever. We, yeah. we appreciate it all the same. So uh, hopefully you enjoy it and you come back for more. Um, Hit the like button, subscribe. That that helps. That's that's a really key thing to what we're doing here. So yeah, really please does. please like and subscribe. That always helps us out. Um, a little bit ago, y'all are talking about Horcruxes, and and correct me if I'm wrong, and I know you will. Um, <laughs> So this is the first movie where Horcruxes is, is mentioned or, or mentioned, correct? Yes. Okay. But not when they're seen. Okay. I got you. Yes, you're right. So, so we've we do seen see Horcruxes. Them. We just right. don't know what they are. We just didn't know yes. what the name. Okay. Bingo. So at the end of this movie, we're made to believe that they're like. So we we have seen two of them that have been destroyed previously, right? Tom mm-hmm. Riddle's diary and uh, the there's ring. a ring, right? So that means four, ring. four are still out there. Is that how that works? It's believed that there are four more. Okay. Because, you know, two down. Because we'll get into that when we talk about Deathly Hallows. But um, yeah, there's well, to be. Yeah, there's supposed more. to be. He, he did talk about in the memory he, with Slughorn, he did talk about seven. 
So the kind of guesswork is right now, right now, that there's the core body of Voldemort, Tom, yes. whatever. Then there's the the diary from Chamber of Secrets, <clears throat> the Morvolo ring, and the other ones are um, mysteries. Yeah, it's all like that. So <laughs> we got we got we got three that we know of. The yeah. other the other four are a mystery. Um, I appreciate for it. now. Horcruxes sound cool. I know they're a big part of the Harry Potter lore, but when I'm watching the movie, I was kind of confused about, okay, what, what are these MacGuffin magical things that are <laughs> out there? And you know, yeah. that, that was a little confusing. Yeah. No, but uh, that's exactly well, what said. Some of the it, other things that we were talking about too, that the memories that in these lessons with Dumbledore that was excluded was we do see other memories of other Horcruxes. Like um, when he was a young young man before like when he was trying he was work uh, Voldemort was working um in Borgen and Burks right yeah yeah he was working which for is Borgen a dark dark arts store collecting in shop nocturne yeah. alley yeah yes he was before when he was trying to you know work at Hogwarts and he was he he had a meeting with Hepzibah Smith who was the last living descendant known descendant of Helga Hufflepuff and she had a um, an artifact of Helga Hufflepuffs, and um, and it's one of the deaths that we see him commit. Like we, like just like with the riddles and that, and then kind of using the Marvola ring, and you can assume and infer from what happened in Chamber of Secrets that um, Moaning Myrtle's death is what led to the diary. Um, all of these pieces start coming together, but that's one of the items that, and we we just accidentally come across it, and they're just able to sense that that's the Horcrux when really we know exactly what it is, but we know exactly <laughs> what it looks like from this. Yeah, memory. exactly. Yeah, and Caleb here uh, wrote in the chat in the book for Happily Prince, there are more memories that we get to see that give us a better idea what most of the other Horcruxes are, just basically yes. what everyone was saying too. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Well said. Well said. Yeah. I love when people support my statements. <laughs> yeah. The Horcruxes are, are like in theory, like a pretty cool concept, you know, for one who has evil notions and wants to like, you know, live forever and apparently doesn't care the means of creating Horcruxes. Right. And it explains how one is able to survive even being quote unquote dead far better than they did with Palpatine and star Wars. <laughs> Y'all come at me, make it make sense. So, a little bitter. A little I can't bitter. make it make sense. I can't. No, I've got more Horcrux questions. Um, yes. So do you only like each wizard only gets six, right? Like you can't. No, um, no, I don't think there's a the, set yeah, there's not really a set limit. There's just, <clears throat> this is kind of where we have to kind of try to make, put math to the concept of the soul. Okay. Because in the the book that Tom Riddle originally read, talking about Horcruxes, it was just, they only mentioned it, it only referenced once. Mm -hmm. And in his discussion with Slughorn, he's like, 
could it be possible to do it multiple times more than just once could it be could it up to like seven and that's when slughorn says like seven to consider killing one person is like it is is deep far enough but seven people like that to split up your soul seven times so you kind of have to how much of you is really left if your soul is divided and not even that it's the fact that if you're thinking that it's happening it every time the making the diary or the first horcrux uh that make that that the diary has 50 percent of his soul and then the following item is going to have 25 percent of his soul and it just gets and smaller so and smaller and so on and so on but the reason yeah. for the number seven in magic, magic is seven deemed as a lucky number so that's there's a the lot reason. of sevens in harry potter a lot i mean there's seven books there's seven weasleys seven weasleys children seven floors of hogwarts um mm -hmm. seven years to go to school to hogwarts 17 um, when you're a wizarding adult yep um seven movies plus one more yeah. seven <laughs> seven quidditch go. players on a team okay yep. um I'm the, pretty the seeker sure is number seven yeah i'm pretty sure um uh, that it's either 700 or 777 Quidditch fouls possible in Quidditch. Ooh, I don't remember. I actually used to know this, but yeah, it's in one or the single, other. It's 700 a or, match or what? Just, no, like possible fouls possibilities, possible fouls. So, okay. as as a whole, but anyway, so seven to answer your question, seven is just a pretty significant number when it comes down to magic. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like Amber says, you know. You do one, 50%. You do two, percentage yeah. keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller. That we so. know of, he's the only person that we know of who has done it more than just once. Yes. Obviously, he did not care. <laughs> no. He he wanted to be in that. That worked well for him. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. It did, okay. It did not. <laughs> well, one thing we always talk about on, the, on these uh, podcasts, we talk about the new additions to the cast. This movie, there's only one person I can really kind of point out that was new to the cast. That's uh, Jim Broadbent as uh, Horace Slughorn. Love it. He's the newly appointed potions master, mm -hmm. which was previously held by uh, Severus Snape. Uh, yep. Brittany, what are your thoughts on uh, on Jim Broadbent playing uh, Slughorn? I absolutely love Jim Broadbent. I think before this movie, the one other movie I remember seeing him in was in Moulin Rouge. And he, uh, big personality, you know, he, he's, he, he knows how to command a room. And I think with Horace Slughorn, it was the same thing. I mean, hell, when we were first introduced to him in the movie, he's an armchair. Like he, he <laughs> transfigured himself into an armchair. And, and the first words he, he utters is Merlin's beard. You know, it's just, it's so much fun. Like I said, big personality. Uh, we learn that Slughorn is trying to be recruited by the Death Eaters. And he's like, you know, no, I'm not into that kind of thing. Yes, I'm Slytherin, but like, I'm not about that pure blood, you know, mentality because he values, you know, Amber talked about collecting, um, Dumbledore collecting people, you know, for, for certain reasons. Dumb uh, Slughorn did the same thing. You know, he, he values uh, people, you know, he, travels around with photos of people who were 
political or famous or just brilliant in their own right. And mm -hmm. one of them happens to be Harry's mother, which is very important for later on in the movie when Harry's trying to collect the correct memory about Slughorn telling Tom Riddle about the Horcruxes. You know, Lily being a Muggle-born was an exceptional witch in Charms. Uh, he shares a story about the how he got the little goldfish and how it kind of, I won't say hatched, but how it just came to be. It was, he's like, it was beautiful magic. And, and then when Lily died, the goldfish died. You know, it's, it's yeah. that connection. And so he actually felt something towards Lily's death because he inadvertently gave the resource to Tom Riddle, who eventually became Voldemort. And, yeah. and so I, I think in many ways he feels responsible for Voldemort's outcome. You know, and, and mm -hmm. having succeeded in 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 uh, in life, if you will, because obviously he was never killed the night that he tried to go kill Harry. But he's a complex character, still big personality. I absolutely love him. Um, he's he's also thinking about making money, <laughs> which I'm all about that right now too. I, I like to make more more money. Let's let's just be real. But mm -hmm. he's. Uh, I think he's a great addition to to the story because of the fact that as a Slytherin, and I believe he's supposed to be pure blood, he does not share the same ideologies as other pure bloods or other Slytherins would. He's like, I'm not prejudiced. Like I value people and their abilities more so than their blood status. Yeah. What about hey, you, Amber? Hey, what are your <laughs> thoughts on Slytherin? Um, I love him. I uh. I like him and very good, kind of going in the same vein as Brittany is that we, we, we've talked about it before on this pod that we've, as Slytherins, we get called evil all the time because of all of the other characters. And hey, that's fine if I'm in a sassy mood, but like, okay, not all of us are like that. Some of us are like Slughorn and he he shows a very interesting side to Slytherin because like all Slytherins are like, as our Slytherin traits are supposed to be um, ambition and cleverness and cunning and pride, and pride. Yeah. It's like things like that, that are kind of vilified. Those traits are often very vilified and yeah. he doesn't use it. He, he doesn't use it to get really strong and popular or powerful. He uses it to get Quidditch tickets. Like he uses, he express his opinion in the daily prophet. Yeah. He takes pride. He gains his pride and like, I guess, self value uh, entirely based off of the students that he taught. And I actually really love that. That's so cool that he just, he values his resources so much because Slytherins are resourceful, but he valued that. Like that's his center. It's not, arrogance or like one of the things i i really dislike when slytherin like um shirts or whatever it lists shrewd as one of the like the slytherin traits it bothers me but <laughs> he, he uses the resort he is a very true case of slytherin without but showing that it's not evil 
these are not that this need to be vilified. I'm just doing what I do and I take pride in what I do. I'm a good teacher and I've taught all of these kids and they make me happy and I can talk to them and like, yeah, they have gotten really powerful and they are successful. And I take pride in that because I had a stepping stone in there. Like that's, I like that. That makes yeah. me really happy. And um, kind There's of that ambition, going, you know, that pridefulness yeah. coming through, you know. And just when, um, just when they said that they, uh, like how, how Brittany, how you were saying that he is a very great, like, flamboyant character. He's just really good. I love him and the fact that I can just, you say the name of, of Horse Lughorn and I hear him. I can hear quotes from the movie. Just like, yep. Aragog, king of the arachnids. <laughs> it's just, you hear it. <laughs> Nobody could have done that better and funnier than him. That was really good, though. Oh, my God. That was brilliant. I love it. <laughs> love it. Yeah. The soul lingers on. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I think. I know that I entire speech because it makes me so happy. <clears throat> but. Him singing There's with that Hagrid too and, was awesome. Yeah, and um, the he's just <clears> fun. The, he's just a fun person. Also, like, yeah, and like also the acting throughout the film, like in multiple scenes, like when um, Ron is in the hospital, uh, well, in um, the you know uh, hospital, hospital ward because yeah, thank you, hospital wing because uh, the poison he. He feels horrible and guilty. Like you can see it on his face that he is genuinely concerned because a student almost died. And he doesn't know how it got poisoned, but yeah. it was his fault. And then also like the horrible guilt when he says that, like, I don't know how like well, he didn't say that he didn't know how it was supposed to how it got poisoned, but it's kind of implied that he didn't know. And when he said that it was for Dumbledore, like, because he's like, this could have happened to you. The meat that was the actual poison. He was gonna re-gift it to Dumbledore yeah it's like, yeah like he didn't yikes. yeah and it's just like you could see it in his face and like there's a moment when um after the lavender breakup <laughs> kind of saying Hermione's name in his sleep um Where's where yeah where you just see him in the background and he's just absolutely his face just looks crushed because of what yeah. happened and uh the performance during the talking about Lily's fish that was amazing. I love it. And just the entire interaction of the, the Felix Felicis moments, amazing. But mm -hmm. um, not just his Aragog speech, but I, I loved it. I loved all of it. Um, fun fact too, that goldfish uh, story with Lily actually was not in the books. That was added in. And I love that. Actually, that was a great addition. Yeah, yes. It's something that is that they added in the movies that's not in the books that I think is a beautiful story to symbolize yeah. um, what happened to the Potters. Yeah. Also, I just love him amongst the kids when he they're eating ice cream and he's <laughs> trying to find out more about Hermione. You know, Miss Granger, what do your parents do in the muggle world? She's like, my parents are dentists. And kids are like, the hell is that? You know? Harry's looking around Harry's like, face. anyone going to, you know, challenge her? Let's go. Um, you know, he, he's he's a fun, interactive person. One of my favorite scenes, albeit Ron gets poisoned, is that scene in in his, uh, I guess, quarters where 
you know, Ron's just walking around. He's like, hello, darling. You know, he's hugging Slughorn and see a dream. It's, it's more, yeah, it's more of a Ron <laughs> moment, but you know, he, you see how he's just like, okay, this is really uncomfortable. I need to fix this like now, you know, kind of situation. But uh, the, the addition of Jim Broadbent was, I think, well cast. And I, and I think across the board with this movie, very similar to that of Game of Thrones, is that they cast characters very well, in my personal opinion. Now, could there have been substitutes? Absolutely, for sure. Uh, but I think when it came down to this particular casting, I think they they hit it right out of the park with Jim Broadbent. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he was just a wonderful addition. Yeah, and Horace Slughorn. <laughs> Listen, we're both Slytherins. We both had the same birthday. I mean, like it's cool. Like we're 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 meant to be homies. It's it's cool. I like him enough that I have that hourglass. <gasps> I have a miniature version of the hourglass. But yes, that hourglass, which was nice. not mentioned in the book, it was specifically made for the movie, is fire. It is so <laughs> cool. So cool. It is. I love it. So cool. We also have fellow Slytherin, Julie. Yeah. That's what's up. Slytherins a lot in of, the house. A lot of Slytherins. Yeah. I think you're um, the lone Gryffindor. Who, me? Gryffindor. Yeah. yeah. Oh. No, you're Plytherin. What am I I'm talking my own about? House. You're Plytherin. I'm Plytherin. You're your yeah, own I made house. it. I your made it my Plytherin. own. House of right. One. House of One. Yeah. Still got to figure out your mascot. Plenty of plenty of space in Plytherin. Um, <laughs> platypus. A platypus for Plytherin? Yeah, it might work. Aww. Tough to say. Um, but aren't they? They're venomous. It's kind of cute and cuddly, but they're not supposed to be. And also, it's kick a your snake ass. and a badger. Come on. Two Hogwarts houses in one. There you go. Plither. There you go. That works. Plither. That works. Uh, just to put a pin in uh, Slughorn. I was going to say Horace Slughorn is a great name. That's a great character name. And like y'all were talking about, it is refreshing that we didn't have the evil teacher in this movie because we've had that in every single movie. And it seemed like <laughs> yeah. he was on Except that course. Except for Lupin. Lupin was not evil. Okay, that's true. Um. But it seemed like he was on that course to be the evil teacher, and then it turns out he wasn't. So I did like that twist. Um, this movie had a lot of twists, you know. Like for someone who yeah. hasn't seen the movies as many times as y'all have, it was, you know, it was a roller coaster <laughs> ride of emotions, you know. Like I was, I was right there with Snape, and then he's like, you know, yeah, the double cross, yeah, double cross the Harry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this movie just really offered a lot when it came down to like the different aspects of a character and, and uh, the highs and lows of the storyline, right? Like in all seriousness, Harry has to figure out more about Voldemort's past, what the Horcruxes are, how to find them and what have you. But then you get the humorous side of the teenagers being teenagers and oh, you know, loves, you know, what was, what's the line from Dumbledore uh, when Ron says Hermione's like, name and the loves and it's great sorrows or something like that. Or love, loves keen sting or something like that. Oh yeah. It, oh, to be love young, stinging. You know, loves a, like love sting something. something there, like I feel this. like there's a word I'm missing. Yeah, there is, but uh, but you word. get the idea. It just you know, the the adults are just kind of like, Jeez. oh, this is just normal because they're kids. You know, yeah, yeah, this kid nearly died, but you know, it's she like just to, got dumped. <laughs> to be young and feel the sting of unrequited love. Basically, sort of like no, that. I got, I actually got the quote. It's um, it, it, it is um, oh, to be young and feel loves. Keen sting. Yeah, there you go. 
So, I, I mean, but I do know the Aragog mortuary for well thing. <laughs> Oh I, I know the, that with the inflection and the in the pacing yeah you have to i'm telling I you i hear it's, it in his voice yeah. it's just yeah it's like farewell aragog it's just so good your it's body so made good. decay so, <laughs> you know like i said slughorn great name aragog not a great name very close to a famous lord of the rings character i think it's fabulous yeah but it's like around the same time as aragorn Aragorn and lord of the rings it's like come on let's mix it up let's let's expand our uh i mean obviously tolkien wrote the books long before jr jr listen to me j jk rolling jr (laughs) you're mixing authors here i I was gonna say jr coling or something like that just yeah um, obviously <laughs> she it's very possible she was inspired or some other arachnid name exists it doesn't really matter but uh, also like voldemort is because of like the french Mort name means death yeah it's like, it's not it's voldemort like, it's, like, it's voldemort yeah it's like lord of death i think something like that how about a little volda less if you know what i'm saying i mean like, wow in this movie Listen, we, got, we didn't get much you, of him honestly yeah. no no but you gotta you gotta get the trade-off you got no dursleys you got less yeah, that's Voldemort fair. Yeah. in this movie you need i'll, chill out. I'll sign up for that out. every day of the week twice on sunday fun no dursleys. fun fact justin i'm sure you have yep. this in your notes but because we're on topic of Voldemort or sure. less of Voldemort, right. we get the flashback of young tom riddle in the orphanage who is played by Rafe Fine's nephew, Hero. Hero Fines. Yes, we're keeping it all in the family. Yeah. Lord Voldemort's nephew plays the younger version of himself. Kid's name is Hero. He's playing the ultimate villain in the story. Yep. You no, I think the kid did good. Like he did great. He and did great. Okay. I actually I mentioned this to Brittany when I was re- doing my rewatch. It kind of boggles my mind that. After that memory, dumb like Harry's just like, did you know then? Like when you met him then, and Dumbledore is just like that. I bet just met the most dangerous dark wizard in in history. No, and it's just like, what is Grindelwald a joke to you? Child's play. I told you it's child's play. Yeah, that boyfriend wasn't a challenge. bias. It's boyfriend bias. It wasn't it a me- challenge. So. You said Grindelwald. He he committed some crimes. I, I've heard, right? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we will get there, but yes. yeah. like compare. Okay, comparing the two, mm-hmm. Voldemort's goal way worse. Vold, Voldemort's goal was to take over basically a school so he could live forever and get get rid of Harry. Grindelwald was an international threat. Yeah. Like this was worldwide, many countries, all of the ministries and all of the government bodies were infiltrated by Grindelwald. That was worldwide. So it's like worldwide domination versus a high school. Basically. Yeah. Dumbo, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Like it is, it is purely boyfriend bias. I, I feel it is just. He's like, we're not going to talk about that, though. Yeah, you don't get any mention or reference to to Grindelwald, and except like once in his card, Chocolate Frog card, in the very first movie, and then the very, scene. very, very end. Yeah, and it's a deleted scene, and then 
And same thing with the books at the very, very, very end of the last book. Yeah. Like that's all we get. And it's insane to me because that is why Dumbledore is famous. Like that's why everyone's like, oh yeah, he's such an amazing wizard. He's such a great wizard. This yeah, is why, because he defeated Grindelwald. This is why Dumbledore sucks though. <laughs> true. But true. Yes, more on that. More on that in a different pod. More on that later. So Amber, you mentioned that right, yeah, that Hogwarts is basically like a this, you know, this, like a high school, basically. Well, yeah. speaking of high school, let's talk about some textbooks. Harry finds the uh, the potions textbook, which we turn, find out it's actually Snape's textbook. And I just want to let's talk about like just the plot device of that book and how Harry uses these spells, which he doesn't know that they're like dark magic, but they are kind of yeah. right. Or Brittany, take over. So the book in itself, it's it's tattered, it's old, it's well loved. I want to say it's well loved. The fact that the half-blood prince because all you know at that point is this book is property of the half-blood prince which i have that on a t-shirt that i absolutely love <laughs> it helps harry excel in potions and the fact that the half-blood prince has crossed out the instructions on pretty much every single page of of this of this textbook and has figured out how to brew whatever potion it may be even better because the 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 potion that you're you're seeing be brewed by the kids with the wonderful music the da, 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 you know it's great music <laughs> um is the draft of the living of living death and it's it's a very complex potion and you know you're instead of cutting it he he uses the blade of his sword his sword listen to me his <laughs> blade of his knife to squeeze the juice out of whatever little bean thing that you know he's supposed to you know try to cut and Hermione's all like what how did you do that and he's like oh you do this instead of what it says in the book and she goes no the book specifically says to do this and you know oh, Hermione's right. all about doing things the way that is written out by the right book. yeah by the book quite literally and everyone's struggling the the potions classroom is a mess but Harry is doing the thing and he is the winner of the F Felix Felicis because the little leaf that's it dropped into his cauldron dissolves to which slughorn explains oh you know it's perfect you know one one drop would kill us all and mm -hmm. you know that helps harry in a time where he he was okay at potions but you know snape also hates him he didn't exceed in or excel in potions like he's doing now and it's all because of the book it's all because the fact that snape who is a genius in his own right crossed out the instructions made up his own you know ways and then kind of started playing around with creating new magic creating new spells being the second which is Sankara. incredibly difficult so yes that's pretty cool yes so that's what i'm saying he's a genius in his own right because it's not like everybody in the wizarding world can do this right he has this this uh, way about him because he was so harassed in school and by Harry's, you know, father and godfather and, and friends, he comes up with the this spell, you know, for enemies, Sectumsempra, which basically like slices you, you know, open, and that's a problem. And Levy know? Corpus, and Levy Corpus, which was previously seen in the fifth movie 
which makes no sense because Harry would not have known about that spell at all because it was in. Yeah. Well, uh, I think potions. it's because uh, the the Marauders were using it against him and were hold like remember they were hanging him upside down. So it's like right. he created Levy, Levy Corpus, but a lot of people like the Marauders started using it. And I'm pretty sure it just kind of got popularized. Yeah. And Harry learned it by proxy. But yeah, that's yeah. that's my like little theory as to how Harry knew it. But also it just doesn't follow continuity anyway. But yes, you're right, Justin. In that book, not only are there better potions instructions, there's some dark magic to it, too. Yeah, but um, one thing I kind of want to mention that it's just interesting to go back and look on, especially like for like me and Brittany, since we've, you know, we've seen these movies many times, is that Snape doesn't teach from the books. He teaches by writing the instructions on the board for that exact reason, because he knows better than the textbook. And he is a potion prodigy. He knew better than that. So he yeah. writes all of his things. And it's kind of even a little sillier that Harry didn't recognize the, the handwriting. handwriting that he's been reading on the board for the past six years. Like, Good Harry That's really yeah. would not make it in Ravenclaw at all. This is a fact. But <laughs> um, it's just, it kind of like, it, it changes you a little bit how you perceive Snape's lessons because yeah. Yeah. His lessons are always really hard, but also he, I mean, he wasn't teaching with a textbook. So, I mean, it was like, you're working for it. Yeah. Like you were literally working, you know, working to create these potions while like granted, not everybody's great at cooking. I can't cook for my life, but I can follow an instruction manual. I can follow ingredient. Like I can follow a cookbook. If I really wanted to put in effort, I can do it. Yeah. And potions books are kind of, it look, it appears same that, those are, that is very similar. Same principle. Same principle. Yeah. Same principle. And, but that there was coming up with insufficient stuff. So he was just like, no, I'm going to teach you guys the proper way. You guys are going to learn things by ingenuity, by training and like, practical usage not just reading it from the textbook and following the instructions and yeah. that actually like says a lot about how te snape's teaching methods even though you know he is a bully and shouldn't be bullying and terrorizing children but still also why was the textbook left behind do we ever get an answer about that even in the book no i don't, I don't I think so I it's just it. it's just curious you would think that's kind of like his version of a bible you think he'd keep it close, you know, to to his. Maybe he himself. got so good that he didn't even need it. Probably, but it's it's curious that it would have stayed at Hogwarts as opposed to Spinner's End. Well, I mean, he was there for a while, so maybe it just got like misplaced and then just kind of just, you know, people. Someone was someone cleaning up the room is just like, oh, here's a textbook. Let me just put it in the cabinet with the other textbooks. It's like, like oh, look. I can pass this on to the next person and they'll find all my dark art spells and use it on a student. Yeah. Great idea, Snape. Great idea. Yeah. There's some errors there. He just misplaced it. He forgot about it. You know, it's like Danny in uh, Game of Thrones. She forgot about the 
whatever when she's flying over the sea. So <laughs> that's this version of that, I guess, right? She forgot she had dragons. Yeah, exactly. That. So we've been talking about this kind of in circles for a while, but let's just get to it. Let's talk about the angsty teen love triangles that we get in this movie. You have, you know, you have Ron and Lavender Brown and Hermione. Um, then you have Hermione, who's like kind of like revenge dating uh, Cormac McLaggen, who is uh, yeah. Ron's, that boy is uh, fine. Sorry. Ron's yeah. rival on the uh, Quidditch team, as far as their, their tryouts, he, they're both going for the keeper spot. And yeah. 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 Freddie Stroma, who, who plays uh, Cormac McLaggen, he actually got into acting just kind of to make like have like spending money kind of thing. Cause he's actually quite brilliant. I think he was going into like astrophysics or something, something in the major sciences. And he's, he's quite well, brilliant. He's definitely still an actor because I was oh, I familiar know. with this person because, you know, here in the Watchers of the Basement, right now we're talking about Harry Potter. We love talking about Harry Potter, but we are, like like Rhodey said in Avengers Endgame, we're about that superhero life here with uh, the Watchers of the Basement. Freddy <laughs> Stroma was on the Peacemaker series, which is also on Max, HBO of Max. he was. He plays Adrian Chase, a.k.a. Vigilante. So definitely check out, if you're a Freddy Stroma fan, check out a Peacemaker it's a different character from the uh, cocky Quidditch player, um, his character <laughs> in Peacemaker. So he also is check it in, out. he's also in the first Pitch Perfect, and you get to see his abs. Yeah, I'm here for it. That's, That's the only he's knowledge not. I have of him of <laughs> Harry Potter. There was also a very short-lived show where he was kind of like traveling through time. Um, it did not, it did not last past the first season on whatever network channel it was, but. Anyway, sidebar. Um, <laughs> I the, the revenge dating, I think it was is really funny to me with Hermione because this is where you really obviously get that confirmation that Hermione has feelings towards Ron. In the previous movies, you kind of get little hints here and there, even like in the also, second movie. John's jealousy. Yeah, and like John, uh, John, <laughs> Ron's jealousy. Um, towards you know whatever she's doing you see how harry feels towards Ginny, um dating dean and he's kind of like awkwardly like watching them you know as they're snogging in the in the three broomsticks that's and the only way that you can infer that he has feelings for Ginny is just because he's just creeping on the fact that she's with her boyfriend well it's even awkward even, even when the golden trio are in Weasley's Wizard Wheezes and the girls are looking at like the little love potion, right? And and the twins come by, like, yeah, that it works. And it's like, but we we hear sis say you don't need any help with that. She's like, what are you talking about? Like me? Who are you? Like really? And Harry's over here, like, what did he say? <laughs> They're talking about Ginny. Oh my god. Yeah, it's creepy. It's really creepy. So weird. <laughs> but again, it's it, it falls in line with that awkward teenager you know you're you're falling in love for the very first time or so you think you're falling in love um and mm -hmm. it's it's uh it's comical and Amortentia. It's so Amortentia, yeah um the girl the girl who tries who actually slips the little love potion into Ramilda the chocolates Vane. Ramilda Vane Justin she actually has a tie-in to the witcher she okay. is uh one of the mages in the witcher Okay. Um, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but she's in it. 
anyway, but uh, yeah, it's uh, I think it's just fun. I, I think it's just kind of, a, again, like I said earlier at the top of this pod, how it's a nice break from like the dark themed plot line that is obviously we're, we're, we're um, what's the expression that we're, we're gaining speed or, you know, on, on this, right. Uh, Caleb says that, uh, yeah, I was not a fan of the love triangle stuff in this movie. I get it. I, I, I respect that. I get it. I just think it's a, a, it's a nice break in the monotony of like, oh no, Voldemort's after Harry again. Ah, you know, kind of situation. Yeah. Um, again, they're growing up. You're, you're growing up with them. Like I, I was growing up with them, you know, with, with the movies. Yeah. Um, cause the actors and I were all about the same age. So yeah, I don't know. I felt seen. <laughs> and I think you're trying to reach a broader audience. You know, if it was just straight up, like just wizards and dark stuff that would, you know, probably cater more to young boys or, you know, that, mm -hmm. that kind of group of people. Mm -hmm. And here you're trying to, you know, you know, Harry Potter was obviously a phenomenon, still is a phenomenon, but like, especially then it was, it wasn't just little boys, it was little girls. So like, it was like mm -hmm. everything, you know, everyone was kind of involved in this. So I think that's part of why you break it up with the little teen romance and the, the jokes yeah, and, stuff and make it lighter. I thought it also did a little bit um, towards helping us see that what normal wizarding life is, can be when not in wartime. Mm -hmm. Like it should like, even just this small little comment with uh, right at the beginning, when McGonagall saw Harry and Ron just, goofing off in the beginning and be like don't you want to still be an auror yeah like you should do this in this classes because that will help your career like yeah okay. she, yeah so he, she, so he goes to she even sorry she even had a great zinger of like take weasley with you he's he's having far too he much far fun too he was far, he too, was far happy. too happy it's like there. it's like okay she she's got some zingers like all right, yeah all right mcg i see you like <laughs> and i just I thought it was, like there's just small little things there. Like, yeah, um, when they're not fighting a dark wizard, because not everyone's going to be fighting a dark wizard in their day to life. Sorry. So I thought the love was kind of like, yeah, it was a little frivolous. And it did take away from other, like the important things, like the gaunts and yeah. everything like that, like we mentioned before. But, and it does break up stuff. Like what Brittany's saying, I just think it just shows like, hey, like these, yeah, these are kids, but they also deserve to be kids. They shouldn't be having to focus on grown up things. Yeah, on grown up things and war and death and murder and um, people being attacked. And they don't have, shouldn't have to be worrying on that when they're literally in high school. Let them have a little bit of drama. So yeah. it's like, I get it. Um, yeah. I want yeah. to pose a question to our viewers uh, here in the live chat or also in the replay if you're watching and to Justin specifically, because, you know, you didn't grow up reading the books, let alone watching the movies like Amber and I did and, you know, many others. For you, because we're talking about, you know, love triangles and revenge dating and things like that. How did you feel about the dynamic between Harry and Hermione. Did you, did, did, <laughs> did you feel anything happening between the two of them? Maybe. Yeah. Kind of. It, it's, it's, it's very, cause 
So obviously there's the part where Harry kind of consoles Hermione after she gets upset because Ron is making out with this lavender brown girl and they're just like, he's like crazy in love with her, but that's after the love potion, right? So that's part of the reason why. No, 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 no. The love potion, love potion, no. Love potion takes place after. Okay. So Lavender didn't use a love potion on Ron. Yeah. he he won the Quidditch game. She goes up to him, kisses him, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, right." You know, yeah. But you know, even the first time I watched all these movies years ago, I did th- like just on the outset. I said, "Okay, there's these three: the Golden Trio, right?" Yes. Like, obviously, Harry's the main character. Hermione is like, you know, the the one girl in the in the, tr- in the trio. So it's like they're gonna get together. That's what I thought. Like, eventually, that kind of because like. Ron is like his best friend. He's like kind of the third wheel, you know, like he's, but that's Tom not, relief. that's not really what I think happened. I, mean, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's, who's watching along with us. But um, in this movie, you definitely, there are definitely some hints where it seems like we're going to get to a Harry and Hermione romance. That's why I think the Ginny stuff kind of like, I mean, there, there are kind of breadcrumbs throughout the other movies, but to me, it's kind of out of left field because it's like, I don't know, it's it's just a strange like uh, move, you know, because like then it's like so now he's in love with Ron's sister and he knows how protective Ron is of his sister, especially with talking about the boyfriend from earlier, like Amber was talking about. So it's kind of like a it it's still it's like a, a very awkward thing, regardless of who, he, whether it's with his very his best friend Hermione or now he's with his his other best friend's sister it's just a weird yeah. like it's so incestual and uh yeah i don't know it's to me i don't that part of it is not the best i think it's great for like teen drama i can understand like why kids would be excited about this part yeah. of the of the movie but for me like it was kind of like it's not i don't know necessary it's, yeah well it's just it's just not it's not as like definitive as you'd want it to be you know it's not like i wouldn't say it's a popular ship but um in this movie and a little bit in the last one um because she's introduced in it a lot of people do ship luna and harry Um, i can see that yeah i can see that i just thought it was cute i just thought like the like i even like texted Brittany. it was adorable when she when um she's like it's almost like being with a friend and he's like i am your friend luna and she's like that's oh, nice. that's nice. <laughs> like, she's I like, oh, her. never occurred to me. She's like, it and, never occurred to me. Yeah, and he's like, I'm gonna. I was like, I'll find someone, someone really cool. And it's name is Luna. I just, um, I love it. I love that she she's just a little weirdo, and he is totally okay with that. But she saves. Oh, him I don't. Yeah, early in the I don't, movie, I don't ship it. But yeah, she but, she does. Yeah. She does save him because you know. Draco Harry's always creeping on somebody. All right, let's just be real. He's always creeping on somebody and he's trying to find out the truth. He is must be a Gryffindor thing. Um, he's always trying to figure out what's happening with Draco. He gets himself literally uh spell bound by you know the the Petrificus Totalis, and Draco breaks his nose with the intention of, okay, no one's going to find him here because I'm going to use the invisibility cloak and hide Harry. He's going to go back to London, whatever. Well, it's because of Luna with her little Spectre Specs, those those fun glasses that we love, uh, that she, you know, finds Harry and and he's like, how did you find me? And she's like, Rexperts. 
your head's full of them. And he's like looking up, like, where the hell are these things? You know, I can, can I see them? Can he, she he, only he see them? Everything she says at face value and it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I personally, because by this point, the, the books had, you know, been uh, released. I'm trying to remember when book seven came out. Was it 2011? No, that was final movie. Anyway, um, so I think the books had already, you know, been released. Everyone more or less knew what was happening with these characters. But from the movie, if like you're just so solely watching the movies, never having read the books, I can definitely see how someone would be like, these two are going to get together. They're great together. It's like a yin and yang kind of situation because she's brilliant. He's not so much. Um, they just complement each other very well, in my opinion. And like, I was like, yeah, I could see movie Hermione and movie Harry getting together, but book Ginny and book Harry being together like makes total sense. It's just, it yeah. wasn't conveyed very well in the movie, which is what Caleb is, is saying here. I've always been for Harry and Ginny. The movies just did not portray the relationship very well, which I agree. Thank y'all to Bricky and Caleb for saying that Deathly Hallows yeah. came out in 2007. I should have known that was the year I graduated high school. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I could see it if you have only seen, you know, like you were saying, if, if you've only seen the movies, I, I can see it. And we know for a fact that the script writer shipped Harry and Harry and Hermione that is very, very much a thing. And that is why, um, yeah, that's kind of part of the assassination of Ron's character. Like why they gave a lot of really great lines to Hermione or to anybody else really yes. except Ron, because even though Ron originally was the one who was saying them, it's just because they, they just didn't really care for Ron. And that's a shame. And like, we see it later on and throughout the entire thing. Like I, I know we're not talking about this movie. We'll get there when we get there, but there is a specific scene in Deathly Hollows that just makes me so uncomfortable and I hate it. <laughs> I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> it is so unnecessary. It is. It is. Um, I know exactly what you're talking is about. Is it in part one or part two? I generally can't remember, but it's, it's I, I'm, I'm just going to go out part, and say it. It's, it's part the one. dancing of the tent. I'm going to be honest. It's part one. Yeah, it's the dancing in the tent. Mm -hmm. It's that, so awkward. Honestly, I hate the song, song too. too. Like, yeah, I know. Whenever, whenever I see edits on TikTok or Instagram or whatever that use that song, I instantly scroll away Cringe. because I get annoyed. I, it's it's so uncomfortable and it was so yeah. unnecessary. There was other ways that you could have shown that he that as his as a friend he is comforting her in that moment. There was so many other ways you could have done that Rear instead choice. of yeah that. Yeah, but I, I ship movie Harry and movie Hermione all the way. I think I think they would have been great together. It's kind of weird that, again, if you hadn't read the books and you just took the movies as they were, uh, you, you kind of I, I could see someone because I feel this way. You want them together because thank the script. Thank the script. Yeah. So. So let's uh, there's no way to transition from uh, from teen <laughs> love to the death of Dumbledore. But oh. uh, except for, you know, a, a I mean, I love was, it. So, yeah, I'm part of that. <laughs> right. So 
I mean, a teenager was supposed to kill him, but then uh, Draco could not go through with it. Um, and Snape stepped in and did. So my, my question for y'all about Dumbledore. So he's this, you know, obviously very important character. They don't have a funeral scene. Isn't that kind of strange? But they do in the book. <laughs> they do in the book and they left it out. They left it out. And it's just like, because I, I intentionally I, stayed silent because I knew Brittany needed to talk about this. So um, <laughs> go. Sorry. Um, no, let go. Me, let me be the first to say, I did not weep about Dumbledore's death when reading the book like I did with Sirius. I was beside myself when Sirius Black died in Order of Phoenix. <laughs> if we have new viewers, now they do. Okay. <laughs> However, Dumbledore couldn't care less. Why? Because I think the man just didn't help our boy Harry like he should have. Like, yeah. you get the idea. Okay, he wants Harry to figure out things for himself. Dude, you are like, you're old as hell. Okay? You've gone through things. You've read all the things. You've done all the things. Like, help the boy out. Okay? Like, just mm -hmm. help him out. And not in the sense of, I'm going to get ahead of myself. With the will and leaving, you know, the sword of Gryffindor, you know, to help destroy the horcruxes yeah. spoiler alert give the boy the information that he needs all right stop withholding information like my god okay so he had the theory of the horcruxes before that why are you giving him the side quest of harassing slughorn yeah it's, when um, he already theorized it yeah he so admitted that yeah so with dumbledore's death albeit very well done visually right dramatic the slow-mo of him you know falling you know backwards from the tower um even just the dialogue between him and snape that that pleading to snape of severus please it's almost as you you interpret that as he's begging for his life that might not actually be what dumbledore is doing right yeah. of course i'm not gonna spoil everything but the the performances were, were very well executed. No pun intended. Sorry. Um, but <laughs> if you said we're very well assassinated, that'd be worse. But yeah, I know go ahead. it would have been the executed. <laughs> right. Yeah. Works all yeah, the same. Works better. yeah. There you go. Synonyms, y'all. Um, you know, Caleb here says that the scene where Harry goes back to Dumbledore's body makes me cry every time. And I, I get that. It is a very, a very emotional state that harry is in the rest of the students who have come out from their their uh common rooms to find that their beloved headmaster is is dead you know they don't and know the how in the sky and the dark mark is above hogwarts and so um that scene in lieu of having a funeral scene what i did like because it came from a different movie that i can't think of the title the kids holding up their wands and the tips are illuminated and each illuminated wand kind of uh, minusculely destroys the dark mark that's above Hogwarts, which I think is really cool with the symbolism of like light will defeat dark always. And it's, it's beautifully well done. It's just kind of like their tribute to Dumbledore. Like we still stand together as one. Like we're, we're in this now. We're really in this fight. Like this is a real thing. This happened on our territory. Now we've we've got to do something about it. Sort of situation. So, um, but yeah, the fact that they didn't have the funeral, 
and the funeral chapter was written very well from the book. Um, it's there that Harry says to Ginny and friends that he's not coming back. He's going to go on the hunt for Horcruxes and uh, Ginny, we can't be together because of this, you know? Um, but yeah, it was, uh, read the book, y'all read the book, listen to the audio book. I don't care. Just do yourselves a favor. If you haven't do it, do it. Amber thoughts. What's your take on the no funeral? In the uh, movie? Sorry guys. My AirPods are out. I can't hear you. Okay. So, uh Oh, give me two seconds, but you okay. guys keep going. Yeah. Well, anyway, so yeah, the, the, I appreciate the exception of not having the funeral for what they showed and what they did. Um, it was, it was really cool. Um, to me, like, again, Dumbledore is a massive character and watching this again, I had the same feeling I had the first time I saw it where I was like, this is not the end of this character. You know, like I feel like in other movies, like for example, like Lord of the Rings, like when you think Gandalf dies and is it the first one or is the second one? First one. First one. Fly you fools. Yeah. That one. That was, he literally told you go find the damn Eagles and fly. Sorry. Right. No, I I know that. But what I'm saying is (laughs) that felt like a character death. I, cause I, I didn't, yes. I didn't, I didn't read the Lord of the Rings. So when I saw the movie, I was like blown away. I was like, wow. So this guy's gone. And then when he came back, it was an actual real surprise. Whereas I don't know that that's the case in this series. I think Dumbledore is a great character nonetheless, but I'm not, you know, I'm not fooled by this, uh, this death. You're like, I've seen this way too many times. I, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it, just, it just seems like they'd be a, I mean, Gandalf ruined it for everyone. Right, I exactly. It. It's it's Gandalf. <laughs> Is there so he's, any he's, reason because he has like visual similarities? Right. Not to mention Ian McKellen explicitly said he would never be in Harry Potter because it was too similar to that right. of being in Lord of the Rings. Um <laughs> I have yeah. to say go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, Dumbledore comes back as Dumbledore the White and not <laughs> yeah. Dumbledore in blue. I don't know what color he wears, purple. Um, in anyway. my wizard rankings, I have Gandalf Harry just Winkle. above Dumbledore. So Gandalf above Dumbledore. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I can support that. Yes. My number one that. wizard of all time is Michael Jordan when he played for the Washington Wizards in 2001, 2002. How so. long have you had that bottled up to you? Oh, yeah, I had to say that. <laughs> I, probably should, I probably should wear a wizard's, you know, now I'm thinking about this. I should wear a wizard's shirt on the show that we're doing about wizards. Wow, Justin, yeah. way to prepare. Way wow. to prepare. We've got two my, more. One of my favorites, I'm not going to lie. I love the Merlin in Sword in the Stone, the Disney Sword in the Stone. Yes! I love him. He's awesome. Him, Archimedes. Yeah, they're great. Mm-hmm. If I ever get an yeah, owl, there's I'm a, get Ar- there, Archimedes. Real random and very off topic, there's a squirrel that lives in the tree um right outside our place we named him Archimedes because of that movie no <laughs> just so you know no let's do it <laughs> so amber before we before we finish up with the wizard talk um what are your thoughts on no funeral for dumbledore in the movie compared to what you oh, read in the book yes um i i feel like it, with uh they they already showed the 
kind of ceremony that they did for Cedric. Um, I feel like it would have been a little bit too similar if because you know it's at it was at the end of the movie it would have been in the grand hall like great hall it's just i feel like um it would have been just a little just a shy bit too similar um i wish we saw something yeah but um i'm kind of okay that we didn't see it um not for any particular reason i just think that i mean I, yeah i am sad that we didn't see fox cry like singing and crying and flying off into the distance but um but you know with the tomb being opened right yeah. on the on that little island which that's a real place y'all it's in scotland if y'all ever mm -hmm. i've never i have not been i have not been to scotland but many people over on pottergram have and it's it looks stunning so mm -hmm. the dumbledore's tomb is on that island and it magically is opened and course who's there Voldemort um retrieving the elder wand because that is gonna be we don't know why yet we don't know why yet of course I'm getting ahead of myself as I'm talking <laughs> but the, seeing the tomb at least because it does tie into like that funerary sort of you know uh vibe right um I still think it's it's fitting. I don't think you needed the, like the whole pomp and circumstance of having the funeral. Like I said, I think with the decision that they yeah. made with the wands and the illuminated tips um, destroying the the dark mark, I think that was just perfect. You know, you you yeah. got you you understood the message behind that. Yeah, I agree. I like it a little better. Well done. It's like. Yes. No funeral yeah. for Dumbledore, great. No gaunts, boo. <laughs> I um, I did though. I do like because again, this is just me focusing on wands and wand lore. Um, they don't know the reason, the significance of that specific wand, but um, nobody really did. <laughs> but I. I think it's really, really interesting that it's a tidbit of information that it's wizarding tradition to be buried with your wand. Mm -hmm. And um, because of that, usually trees of the of that wood will grow. Like uh, that's a common few, like tomb marker, grave marker for wizards is a tree. And as a wandlerist, I think that's really, really cool. <laughs> and like they even make a tidbit, um, in the like in uh like the official writing of Ollivander about wandwoods they say that um it's theorized that english oak is was merlin's wandwood but since his tomb was never found we cannot confirm so kind of just saying like well we don't know where his grave is so therefore we can't confirm because it's tradition to be buried with your wand but um Makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. I, I'm a, I, I'm actually really fine with how they did it because just because I feel like it would have been too like what they did with the wand raising was beautiful, like Brittany said, gorgeous. But I feel like it would have been an actual funeral scene would have been too similar to Cedric's. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's I agree. Also, yeah. Boo Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> you know I agree. Just saying. We'll do a separate podcast on a character study of Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Dumbledore. 
Well, and also, once we finish the Harry Potter movies, we're going to rank them. We're going to do a special episode where we're going to rank the, the all the movies, and we're going to do, like, hey, what will we change? What will we fix? How would we fix the Harry Potter uh, oh, movies if, if they need fixing, which there's some stuff that can, you know, some tinkering here and there, right? Yeah. We have notes. We have notes, right? So, you know, well, they're, oh, yeah. They're making a new Harry Potter a TV series, apparently, so, huh. you know, we'll see how that what goes. is kind of funny uh, Brittany you were talking about the island and the real island where it, uh, his tomb is <laughs> in Hogwarts Legacy they do have that it, that is in there Hogwarts Legacy and I remember I noticed it right when like right when I first got my room and I was just flying around and exploring I landed there and I, I, I told Will right he was sitting right next to me at the time and I'm just like Dumbledore's body's here in like a hundred years <laughs> and oh my god um i just I not yet yeah i went there specifically just to be like this is where the guy is buried cool bye and just left wow wow do you have an update on hogwarts legacy we, we did we skipped over it last time how have, <laughs> have you progressed in in the video game the very popular video game hogwarts legacy um i've 100 percent the game and i'm okay. like 80 percent through my second run wow but I kind of stopped. I slowed down a lot because yeah. I, I have no. I'm more than eighty percent. I think I'm like ninety something percent because all I have left is two more quests. Everything else is a hundred percent because I was trying to do everything else and avoid the main storyline, mm-hmm. so I could get everything a hundred percent before I went to the main storyline. I was my goal was to try and level up as much as possible, but I'm still get only getting to forty level forty by the time that I get to the end so i don't know if it's even possible to get more than that because nothing I, there's nothing for me to do and i and the, um, my second round i played it i'm playing it on hard uh the first one i played on normal and um i'm playing this one on hard and there were a few things that were a little bit more challenging but not nearly challenging enough <laughs> yeah but i still love the game impressive yeah yeah, that's that's really yeah. cool. Uh Brittany, you beat the game also, right? And did, did. you play, have you played it any more lately? You know, I started to uh in about mm, I want to say May, late April, early May. I was cuz my goal was to play the game as each house, right? right. It's same storyline, you know, that kind of thing, same side quests, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I just wanted to play as different houses. So I was doing a Hufflepuff run because Hufflepuff doesn't really get a whole lot of attention in both books and movies. So yeah, shout out to Puffs. But uh, yeah, I got sick, pretty sick, and just haven't gone back to go play it since. So I couldn't tell you what percentage I was at, couldn't tell you the last thing I even did. Um, yeah, it's 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 been a while. I should eventually get back to the game but i feel like it's just one of those things where it's like i'll get to it when i get to it you know <laughs> yeah great and- great game I, I was totally like not going to get it or play it because i don't like following like all the hype of certain things mm-hmm. and then eventually i caved <laughs> um yeah. caleb said that he got the game like right when it came out and Went for a hundred percent, but one of the collectibles glitched and didn't get counted. That uh, happened to me yeah. too. That was a known thing. Um, I yeah. hopefully they've patched it, but again, it's been months since I've played. 
So I um, couldn't find one of the field guide pages. That was the thing I, I couldn't get. Couldn't There's get. like two field guide pages that I never found, but it said that I 100%ed everything. So I'm like, I know, so strange. Um, but yeah, that was weird. I, in my Hufflepuff run, I'm specifically not doing unforgivable curses. Um, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do I'm it. Giving, I'm giving myself the challenge. I was just kind of like, well, I'm playing it on hard, but then I kind of realized, yeah, uh, there's like, um, there's like a little like levels that you can do to try and um, it's like a gym where you can just practice and uh, those were significantly harder on hard instead of normal, but, um, mostly everything else wasn't hard at all. And I, uh, so I wanted to give myself that extra challenge. So I'm like, I'm not going to learn unforgivables. So I don't learn them as a Hufflepuff, but yeah, it's the same story. I, I also wanted to play as the other houses because there is a very specific side quest that, um, is different for each house. Yes. And um, also, I do want to see the other common rooms. So, yes. um, except Griffin like the Hufflepuff Griffin common Girl. room is really, yeah, Hufflepuff common room is gorgeous, um, really nice and cozy. I really want to see the Ravenclaw one, but um, I just haven't finished the last two. But it's uh, oh, 163 hours. That's kind of impressive. Yeah, I know. I, I saw that from yeah. Bricky. Bricky says she yeah. got 100% at 163 hours play. I don't remember how many I played, Justin. I think it was I didn't pay attention as well. to hours. Yeah. Does it, I mean, the game keeps track of all that stuff, right? The stats and stuff as far as the hours played. I'm sure it does. It does. I just don't pay attention yeah. to it. I only paid it like because yeah. every single time it tells you, but I don't really pay attention to it. Um, well, maybe at the end of yeah, the year, I, we could we could have that. Y'all could have those stats on hand and we can all talk about that and comparison maybe yeah. screenshots or something or whatever that'd be kind of cool to show people your uh your numbers on the game so uh oh yeah and i mean there are some things too where i'm just trying to um like I, i'm answering slightly like responding to npcs a slightly differently just to see what it'll do yeah. mm -hmm. um that's kind of fun but uh I think for my Ravenclaw one, I'm going to be just full on evil and yes, just because I can. And I, I'm going to pick all of the mean options. I hate doing that. I'm one of those people like I don't want to hurt the NPC's feelings. So <laughs> I don't want to say mean things, but no, I'm not, I'm not going to care anymore. Um, I don't know. A couple of them are annoying. So it's like, eh, screw you. I don't care. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like that one, the, that one girl in the, um, the, Accio. In the challenge. Yeah, the Accio challenge. Yeah, yeah, Summoner's Court. She makes me so angry. So annoying. I've I've vented to Brittany about it for ages yeah. because I'm just like, I'm so mad at her. She has like one thing that she says like when you fail and it's just very like condescending and just uh, yeah. gets under your skin. Anyway, <laughs> sidebar. It's like such skill, finesse. Yeah. Well, if I... I, I was tempted to learn unforgivables just so I could kill her. I was so wow. <laughs> she makes me angry. So, Bricky here says I learned two unforgivable curses, not Avada Kedavra, but I don't use them. Ravenclaw as well for my Hufflepuff playthrough. I'll learn them all. So, as a Slytherin, because I played Slytherin, I learned all the unforgivable curses except. Avada Kedavra, which made me so mad because it's the killing curse, and you kill poachers and. <laughs> 
the bad people. And I'm like, I want to do that fast, you know, and I didn't learn it. So I failed myself as a Slytherin. It's fine. I'll make it up as a Hufflepuff or something. Well, um, you can go back and learn them. Like I, I I'm, I, I have two, two, only two quests left and then I'm done and I can go back at, and talk to Sebastian and he'll teach it to me. Um, yeah, but I think with my Slytherin run, it's over. Um, with the Hufflepuff run, yeah. that's, that's, we're going to do it. I originally wasn't going to learn the uh, Unforgivables for my Slytherin run because I wanted to do the whole not all Slytherins are evil thing. But yeah. then um, Brittany peer pressured me into it by telling me, because I was, I was, yeah, you did. I was saying I how never. I was, yeah, you did. Because I was saying how, I'm so angry and mad about the poachers hurting little animal beasts. And you're like, well, if you learn enough forgivables, you can just go at them. And I'm like, that is true. That's not peer pressure. That's so just I logic. learned unforgivables just That's so just go logic. to torture camps and kill people. And um, That's just common sense. Yeah. Don't be but, mad at common sense. <laughs> um, yeah. I And Caleb has a point. That one portrait was real annoying. I should burn oh, him. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I but for my Ravenclaw run, I'm gonna be full on psychotic, and I'm just gonna be merciless. It's gonna be great. And I see we have a comment from Julie saying, "I wish I could play the game." Um, if you do get a chance to play the game, please let us know. We're gonna be talking about it more in future episodes. I I think it is now available on all consoles, correct? Like it originally yeah, it was just PS. It's not on Switch yet. It keeps getting pushed back. Uh, it was supposed to have okay. a July release, and then I think it's now November. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, it is on what's on PS5. It's on Xbox Series X or S or both. It's on, I think it's on PlayStation 4. It's on PC, I believe. Yeah. So it's it's out there. If you get yeah. a chance to play it, Julie, let us know, because uh, uh, obviously uh, Brittany and uh, Amber are way into this game, and I think we'll start calling that completionist corner when we talk about uh <laughs> hogwarts legacy so anyway let's, let's let's wrap this one up real quick um do y'all have anything else you want to talk about from the movie that we didn't mention as we're kind of getting out of here i would like to know everyone's favorite scene or favorite line from this movie and that that's open to, of course, my my fellow watchers here as well as those in the chat. So Amber, go ponder on that, if you will. I will go ahead and share mine. Okay, go for it. Because I think it's just really funny. Is the scene between Harry? What's happening? I think the scene between Harry and Snape at the Slug Club holiday party, where Snape. You know, gets Harry and says, I, I only wish to convey a message from the headmaster. You know, he's traveling, whatever. And Harry's like, traveling where? And Snape just stares at Harry. He just stares at him. Then he's like, bye. <laughs> to me, it's just so comical that you get that that performance from Alan Rickman, or as I like to call him, Lord Rickman of the Allen. Um, but yeah, that is just one of my favorite scenes in this whole movie. There's so many others, of course, uh, Dan Rad, obviously with the pincers, you know, kind of thing. Uh, Caleb here says, uh, Potter, take Weasley with you. He looks far too happy over there. Yes. McGee 
my girl Maggie Smith. Protect her at all costs with bubble wrap. She's a true legend. That woman is phenomenal. So yeah, do we have Amber back? Yeah, I think so. No. Oh, maybe not. So okay, uh, I'll... Justin, go ahead. Yeah, so I'll go with mine. So I already mentioned mine a second ago. Um, the reveal that Snape is the Half Blood Prince was a awesome scene. Um, obviously, Harry trying to fight him that was cool. But something we didn't talk about that I want to touch on real quick was the duel between Harry and Draco because that's mm. kind of been building up over all these movies. And Draco is kind of like the villainous reflection of Harry. Harry, and so it's kind of good to see them kind of go head to head. Obviously, Harry gets the better of him by using uh, one of the uh, one of these spells from the uh, from the book. But uh, and then, of course, Snape has to save him because it would have would have killed uh, Draco. But I thought it was like something we needed to see. And kind of in lieu of having Voldemort in person, it was good to have Harry fight somebody in, uh, you know, with using his wizardly powers. So uh, yeah. I think the Draco, the Draco Harry duel was very cool. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amber. Yay. She's back. Tell us your favorite line <laughs> or your favorite scene from this movie. Mm, favorite scene. I'm going to say the Aragog funeral. <laughs> um, and I her favorite it. line is the monologue. <laughs> no, I'm just I love it so much. Um, it just makes That's me, funny. it makes me giggle every time. But um, I do actually really like the line. Um, I saw it in a, when I was looking for the, a poster that I would like for my Instagram post for this live. Um, it was a poster of Harry. It just didn't look well with the post, so I didn't use it, but it was of Harry and in Harry, the reflection of Harry's glasses was Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it said, I, uh, it was a quote from Dumbledore saying, I must, wa- I must again ask too much of you, Harry. And it's like, you always do that, but I'm glad you're at least acknowledging it. No um kidding yeah no so kidding. i oh caleb's is funny that's funny caleb's is great so setup is in weasley wizard yep. wheezes the right. twins ron's asking the twins how much for this he's holding a box five galleons how much for me five galleons i'm your brother 10 galleons yeah. it's wonderful i like also um i am the chosen one <laughs> yes <laughs> She's like she always, she's only interested in you because she she thinks you're the chosen one. But I am the chosen one. <laughs> I am the chosen one. But uh, yeah. it's so good. This body made decay. Oh my god! <laughs> so Lincoln's on. I'm oh telling you, I love it. God. You've got the voice. It's down. so funny. She, she's got it. Yeah, yeah. she she could quote it's it. It's so good. No, I, I really haven't. I just I hear it in my head. Oh my god. It's just yeah. There's it's one of those things that I'll just randomly say around the house. It's just it's it's great. I want to share one last thing before we go. And Justin, you brought it up earlier when the Death Eaters have uh, gone through Hogwarts. They're making their way onto the grounds. Uh, Snape is kind of like in the lead, and everyone else is following. In Tom Felton's mem- memoir, which Amber and I did the book stop tour in our respected cities um that was at least at at my uh uh, book stop with tom felton he talked about that that uh that day or days of filming that scene where he's having to follow snape in in the hall 
And, you know, he's got this billowing cloak and it's, just, it's a wonderful costume. It's like one of the only costumes that never changed throughout the whole series. Mm-hmm. But but Tom Felton kept stepping on the cloak. And so they'd have to cut and, and Alan Rickman's kind of like quit stepping on my cloak, you know, kind of situation. And it's filmed at night. Everyone's like tired and, you know, what have you. And he, Tom Felton, kept stepping on the cloak. And then finally, Alan Rickman just kind of like, he's like, I am done. <laughs> like He got so tired of people stepping on his cloak, you know, to try to, you know, stay in frame and, and to, you know, be Snape and be that, you know, bossy kind of looking guy. And I just, I, it's just, it's just one of the funnier sort of passages from the book that, again, Tom elaborated on during his, uh, his book tour um, that I just wanted to share with, with everyone out there. So if you haven't had a chance to read uh, Tom Felton's memoir, um, Beyond, oh, God. The Wand. Beyond the Wand, thank you. I was about to say Beyond the Magic. Um, go no, check it out. Wand. I'm sorry. I know it's so <laughs> sacrilegious of me to say that in front of you. Sorry. Yeah, How dare you? I know. Amber, um, you, you know a thing or two about wands, right? You have a channel where you talk about wands. Could you tell people yes. how they can find that channel? You can find me by olivambers.wands. It is like Olivander, but you change the M and the N into an M and the D into a B. To be Amber, because my name is Amber, guys. Um, I study wands and wand lore in the Wizarding World. So I go into the cultural, historical, and um, symbolic meaning behind the wood, as well as the the magical beast or creature that forms the core. And we come up with um, basically personality analysis of the wands and we compare that to the wand owner or if we don't know about the person's wand stats we look into and try and theorize what it could be based on the wand knowledge and i hope to get back to filming very very soon now that i have my offices getting slowly set up and i have a couple of projects within that but yeah um yeah even on my instagram you can find me on there i have instagram uh, Tumblr and a TikTok for the wands for all of Amber's. And I still post. I also am friends with very many, 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 many wand makers. And I collect wands, not just the ones in the Wizarding World. I collect wands in general. If it's pretty stick, I want it. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Well, it's always great to have you. And as we wrap up here, uh, you were saying something right ask you to plug away. So what are your final thoughts on Harry Potter and the uh, half half blood prince? I really like it. It's one of my favorites. Um, Like I, it's one of my favorite movies, even though, yeah, we, Brittany and I very clearly covered that there are issues with it. Um, Nothing's infallible, but I genuinely really like this movie. Um, I think especially coming out of um, order coming after order this was something I kind of really wanted to, this is what I wanted. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Um, and it leads up into my other, like the the last three movies are my favorites. So in the entire series. So I'm really excited that this kind of is kicking it off. For us. Very cool. Yeah. We will be, yeah. we'll be back very soon to do Deathly Hallows part one. So, uh, but that's, that's the next one. Let's wrap up this one. Um, uh, now you know what we think about Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. We want to know what you think about it. And Brittany, how can people tell us what they think about the film? Well, 
as many have done today. We've had a lot of viewership during our live stream. So thank you to everyone who has checked us out, who has joined us in the live chat. We really appreciate appreciate it. Shout out to Bricky Hallows, Caleb, Yesenia, um, Julie, Nick and Claire from Walking with the Woods. Um, if I missed out on anyone, I apologize. Oh, Mama Churchwell, of course. She was here too. Um, Corey. So Corey. thank you once again. That is the best way to uh, mm -hmm. participate in our live stream. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to hit the like button on this live stream, whether it's live or the replay, click it helps us out. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are currently at 276 subscribers. Let's try to get to, you know, 300 by the end of the of the year. I think that's a that's a good number to get to. So yeah, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. That way, you know, the next time we will be going live, which will be next week, we're going to be talking about um, fast, fast X, or fast 10. I don't know what to call it. Either way, we're, we're talking about Fast X for the second time because yes, it'll be on streaming. Finally, it'll be on Peacock this Friday. Yeah. So there's now, ten. Fast there's ten. ten, the Fast and the Furious number ten. It's actually the eleventh movie. It's the eleventh movie in the series. So Amber, if you want to be on that podcast, you've got some got some catching up to do. But yeah. I believe in you. I've never seen a single one of them, and <laughs> I know absolutely zero about cars. Wow, I'm okay. You're breaking my heart right now, live on this I'm podcast. I'm so sorry. <laughs> because oh, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Oh, like and Justin's also all about family. I'm all about family. So I, I know those references. <laughs> that's I all understood you, the reference. That's all you need. Honestly, just throw the movies on. You'll like it. Join our I... watchers in the basement family. Hit the subscribe right. button. Hit that like button. Hit that notification bell. Yes, I'm cutting yeah. you off because we got to wrap. Um, also, yeah. we are on Facebook, Twitter, X. I don't. I still call it Twitter. It's it's for fast X. It's gonna go back after after, well, after forever. access review. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're also on Threads, so be sure to go check us out there at Watchers Basement. We already mentioned once before, but go show some love to Amber over on her YouTube channel as well as her Instagram account. You can help grow our audience by using hashtag Watchers Basement when talking about our show. If you want us to review something, send us memes, send us articles, send it. We love it. This is the best way to get in touch with us on social media. Use that hashtag. And lastly, if you're not into video podcasts, not a problem. We've got you covered with our audio podcasts available on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Be sure to subscribe all over there and give us a five-star rating. That's right. Thank you, Brittany. Really appreciate it. So for Brittany and for Amber, this is Justin saying thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We will uh, see you next time. Have a good night. Bye-bye.